Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmaski. Today I'm interviewing Leslie Grossman. Leslie is a fantastic businesswoman and empowerment leader for women. And I have known Leslie for, I don't know, maybe 10 years, maybe a little bit less than that, but have always been so impressed and so thrilled to have Leslie on the Female Red Zone today. Uh, She has a personal vision to create more collaborative leaders in the world. She was an entrepreneur since the age of 25, which I think is very interesting because that's pretty young to be an entrepreneur. She's founded three successful businesses. Today, her work is focused on developing executives, professionals, and CEOs to fulfill their potential as collaborative leaders. As a chair for Vistage International, the largest global CEO peer advisory organization, Leslie facilitates groups and coaches CEOs and executives. She also speaks, she teaches, she presents workshops, she's written a book, and I am thrilled to have her on the Female Red Zone today. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you, Mary Beth. I'm delighted to be here with you. So how did you start and, and what, what sort of spurred you to be an entrepreneur when you were 25 years old? Oh, that's a good question, but it was really uh, losing my job started it, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, when I thought that I should be promoted and my boss didn't agree, I decided to leave and start my own thing. And, you know, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know, and I just did it. Um, and sometimes that's what happens and, and it worked out the first time, you know, I didn't know how to, how to create a big business, but I did figure out how to start a business. And over the course of the years, I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur and ultimately a leader. But, you know, some of these things are just meant to be. Yeah, I, I I think that's how it works. You know, we don't, people will ask me, well, did you, you know, how did you plan to do this? And I'm like, it kind of happened. I just, you know, sometimes bad things happen and we take advantage of them and then it turns out to be something good. So it sounds like that's what happened with you. Exactly. Exactly. Now you wrote a book called Link Out. Can you share with the audience a little bit? They might already know about the book, but share a little bit about the book because I find it a fascinating book. And, you know, there's a book on lean in, but you're talking about link out. What's the concept there? Uh, and talk a little bit about that. Well, actually, it got the title because LinkedIn was beginning to be so popular. And everyone, um, and it, and this still exists, by the way, but people were just saying, oh, this is the way we connect. We connect online, digitally. Um, and, and it was beginning to uh, become a habit among people of all ages to think that they didn't have to waste time having face-to-face relationships anymore. And that using LinkedIn and other social media was the way you could do business. This is the way you could make things happen. And of course, it's a great digital communication and social media is an amazing tool. But I really began to see that people were starting to forget how to connect with each other face-to-face, where the real relationships happen. And so that's where we came up with the name Link Out, the idea of to connect or to link with people, we can't just be sitting in our room or in our computer and in our office. We need to link out and get out and go out and actually meet with people face-to-face if we're really going to build the trusted relationships 
that become collaborative and enable us to further our businesses, our careers, and, um, and, and sell and market. So that's where the name came from. Well, and you know, I know that that's something that we hear a lot with the younger generations that, you know, they're, they're tied to their, you know, social media and to their phones and to those sorts of things. That's how they're used to communicating. Uh, but, you know, it's still important to obviously get out and communicate in a different way. But it's not just for young people you're talking about, right? I mean, this book is not just for the millennials that are, you know, you know quote, stuck to their phone or something. This is really for, everyone and no matter what age or generation you're in in terms of understanding the value of that personal connection absolutely mary beth um you know in fact i found that in in some ways it was people that were in the middle of their careers that were were uh, really using the technology almost as a crutch and an excuse not to get out not to that you know that they were beginning to to think that that was the be all and end all so the book is really written for everyone, and I've addressed in the various chapters the different audiences, whether it's young and starting your career, early in your career, uh, middle, you know, in the middle of your career, if you're in business and an entrepreneur, well, entrepreneurs know that they have to get out and make those face-to-face connections, I, I believe. Um, but, but, you know, when, when digital became the way to go, and even today, People have forgotten how to have real conversations, meaningful conversations, that can really build trust. And trust is where all the great stuff happens. And I think more and more, uh, you were reading, I mean, the, the book is uh, two years old, but I am more and more reading other articles that support what I was saying, that it's really the trusted relationships that people have to have. And they really... You can use digital media once you've built that trust or along with the face-to-face. So when I say face-to-face, when you're in the same city or the same area or you're traveling, that definitely should be in person. But also, fortunately, we've got Skype. We've got various means that we can actually be face-to-face digital, and that's second best. But just picking up the phone or just communicating through text and email is not enough. And that's for every age group, every audience, no matter what you're doing in the world, what your career is. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because I have a financial advisor that we've worked with in the past, and he was uh, finding that it was, you know, kind of business wasn't coming in the way it used to. And he has this large team and they manage all of these assets. And he said, well, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And the business isn't coming in like it used to. I said, well, are you getting out? And mm-hmm. he said, well, you know, not really. I said, well, you're involved in your Rotary group. Um, it's the largest Rotary uh, association or you know, group in the nation. I said, why don't you go to the Rotary um, and start going out to lunch and breakfast and dinner with people that you meet just there because they're getting new members all the time. Uh, they've hundreds and hundreds of members. And I said, just start someplace that feels comfortable to you. Well, and, and wouldn't you know it, uh, this has turned into 
a referral from someone that he had lunch with. It turned into something else and it turned into new business. And it's not, and it's not even like he was expecting that to happen. But when you get out, things happen when you stay in. And so I think that in some cases we're so busy and we've got so many things to do. I go to all these networking events and sometimes there's very low turnout because I think there's just so much competition with life, you know, but if you get out and find a way, just, you got to eat lunch, eat lunch with somebody. You got to eat dinner, eat dinner with somebody and same with breakfast. And if you just did that a few times a week, who knows what would happen, right? Absolutely. And, and it's true, not only in business development, but uh, you're seeing more and more teams of people within a company that they could be sitting in uh, the next office or, you know, down the hall. And instead of getting up and going over and talking, it's the texting back and forth. And, you know, some of that is fine. But when you, you know, for, for easy things, but so many misunderstandings and miscommunications happen when you're just communicating digitally. I just was dealing with one, talking with one of my clients, helping her with an issue where she didn't understand why the person that she had sent a text to thought that she was fired from a job. So I said, let me see that text. And I read it and I said, I'm looking at it and I can absolutely see why she thinks that you fired her. And you know, people don't even realize when they write these quick emails or texts, sometimes it's left totally up into ter- interpretation. Yeah. And anything important has got to be the voice to voice. Um, it's, it's just, and there's a lot of misunderstandings happen. This is what kills co- uh, collaboration often when you haven't had that face-to-face or at least voice-to-voice communication. Right. It's how we get to know and understand people. And understanding is the start of a relationship. You have to understand who they are, how they communicate. You got to look them in the eyes and there's all sorts of things. And I do think that you mentioned Skype before, that 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 can be a bit of a replacement because at least you get to see them. And when you're Skyping with somebody, they can't really do a bunch of other things while they're Skyping. When you're on the phone with somebody, they could be doing emails, they could be cleaning the house, who knows what they're doing, right? But when you're Skyping, you can at least see them. But yeah, interesting. I mean, times change and, and we've got so many distractions today, but I think it's a it's such a valuable reminder of, of what you talk about. So the book has lots of different strategies in it, right, of uh, different things you can do to sort of remind yourself and get out and link out. Exactly. And I think a few of the, the things that I, you know, just to mention that I think are so critical is that, you know, in building a relationship, we need to be present to that person. We need to be looking them in the eye. We need to be listening to them. And again, your mention of multitasking, um, so many of us are doing, and when I say us, I can include myself, believe me, I have to ca- I catch myself. But when we're really talking to someone, when we're conversing, and this is why the face-to-face is so important, you that's when you're face-to-face, you really can't be multitasking. You're really giving the other person your attention and listening to what they say. How can we collaborate? How can we help each other if we don't hear truly what the other person says and what's important to them. Uh, When you multitask, you miss all that. When you're texting, you're not getting any of that. And that's how you build trust. That's how you do business. That's how you work together as a team. We need to be present and we need to listen, you know, active listening where you, the person knows that they are being listened to. You really heard them. That's part of the trust building. 
aspect that doesn't happen with digital. And um, so it's really, really, it's bringing back, it's kind of like you've heard the phrase, everything old is new again. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the old ways of communicating are suddenly becoming new in order to make all these great business technology happen. We have to be face to face. One interesting thing I, I will mention is, you know, when, and some of uh, some of those listening may be from Silicon Valley, but one of the uh, articles I read a while ago was, whereas everybody thinks that because digital everything originally came from Silicon Valley, that, the, that people there just communicate di digitally, and that's not true at all. And they, so many of the entrepreneurs, they're out there having breakfast face to face with people. That's where the deals are made over lunch, over breakfast, at live networking events. And yet, those of us who are using the digital uh, communications that were invented by them, we think we can stop doing the face to face. <laughs> they never have. That's right. their secret for doing the deals. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't get someone to invest in your company if you're not out there really get, letting them get to know you. I mean, that's where that where that connection and that trust happens. Right, exactly. So we need to get back to that. And also the, the thing we need to think about is that we need to think of the other person. It's not all about me. The way we really build trust is by being interested in the person that we are with, the person we want to work with, the person that we would like to refer us, the team member that we're going to be collaborating with. We need to understand what's important to them and support them in making that happen. When we do that, that's how you really build trust. And then they want to help us too. That's collaboration. And so I think that we have to get out of the me generation and become more of the we generation to build trust and really have the best results for everyone. Yeah, the problem with the we generation is it, it's a lot more work than just making it all about me. It's easy to make it about me. I mean, That's right. <laughs> but when well, we make it about people, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some people actually find it hard to make it about me, which is what why they don't want to network. They'll say, I mean, I hear them say to me, well, I'm uncomfortable networking. I don't want to have to give my elevator pitch. You know, I don't really know what to say about myself when I meet people, so instead I'd rather just avoid it. You, so you've got half of those people, and then you've got the other ones, like you say, that want to make it all about me. <laughs> right. Those that, <laughs> the, those that don't want to network because they're intimidated, I say to them, that's perfect. You don't even have to talk about yourself. Just go and be curious about the other people that are there. Ask them questions about themselves. If you do that, if you're curious and interested in other people, not only will they like it and want to connect with you, but you don't have to worry about saying anything about yourself till you hear about them first. When you hear about them first, you'll know exactly what to say about yourself because you'll, you'll make a connection and say something that resonates with them, that they're interested in. Right, and so, the most uh, powerful connections come when you're not talking at all, really. I mean, when you're when you're asking somebody else and you're listening, and and so some of it, and because I'll tell introverts this all the time, because introverts will feel like, oh, I, I just you know I don't feel like going. It it sucks the energy out of them to go to a networking event or something and got talk about themselves. But it's really about just. If you can spend most of your time listening to other people, they'll like you more anyways. You don't have to talk about yourself all that much. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, and that and then what that brings us to questioning. You know, question having questions to ask about other people, being curious about them, whether it's just general curiosity or curious about what they do, what their vision is, where they want to go. It's also the way the best ways managers can uh really connect with their team is by being curious and caring about what they care about. Well, as you said, uh, you know, when you care about other people, whether it's uh, you're selling them or, or you're managing them, when you care about other people, they want to work with you. They want to do what you want them to do, and you can help them because you understand them better. You, can, you, you know what product and service is right for them, if they're a, if they're a potential client, and you also know what makes them tick if they're part of your team and what will motivate them. So that whole curiosity and the asking questions, like you mentioned, is is magic. It's really magic, and it's so much easier than much more complicated things. And yet, most people don't think of it as as a great tool. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I wrote a book a few years back called The Connectors, and there was a chapter in that book uh, called Curious Listening. And it's yeah. about, because I found in the research that we were doing that some of the most um, exceptional salespeople were just curious, and they would get, and they would find out things because they really were just curious. They they actually, you can't not care and be curious. If you're going to be curious and take your time, you probably care about what the answer is. You really want to know. And that is, um, it's it's an actual strategy that uh, that's, that's pretty darn effective. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I and your book, I know it's, it's, uh, it's a classic. It's definitely a classic. It was a, a great book backed by a great research. You know, there's another book that I have a, a great deal of admiration for in addition to your own, and it's called Give and Take, written by Adam Grant um, of Wharton. And that book really shows the the research about also the people that are most successful are those that are the givers, not the takers. And that falls very much in line with the whole curiosity thing and making it not about yourself. People that help other people and support other people are the ones that themselves become most successful rather than the person who is the taker who's busy trying to get people to help them or sell to them and all of that. That person in the long run, in the short run, they may appear to be the most successful, but in the long run, they're not. And that book, Give and Take, presents the research that really proves it. Well, I'm going to check that. I'm definitely going to check that book out, Give and Take. Uh, speaking of research, I know that you were involved in a research project called the Everest Project, which is a study of women leading change and innovation. Do, can you talk a little bit about that study and, and what some of the findings were? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was really honored to to be able to interview uh, some of the top women leaders that were leading uh, companies or divisions of major companies around the country. And um, interestingly enough, um, the, the qualities we really looked at, well, what, how did they get there? Because as we know, a big part of the conversation today is, well, why aren't there more women at the top? There's 
over half the women in the workplace in corporations are women. And yet, when you look at the C-suite, they're not very well, women are not well represented. Um, and, and really, the qualities that those women had that were perhaps different that might pop up were they were extremely collaborative, they were extremely uh, relationship-building women. In other words, they took the time to build relationships with people at all levels. Um, and that's something that women in general often in the corporate world do not take the time to do because they don't see it, and this is from the research, they don't always see it as part of their job description. Um, women, you know, in every way, women, uh, research shows that women are equal to men in terms of soft and hard skills. The biggest differentiator between male uh, leaders and female leaders, and I'm not talking in the sweet suite, but more in the middle level, um, are that the, the women lack as much confidence as the men have. And a lot of the confidence comes mm -hmm. from having trusted relationships with the right people. So relationships are uh, really, they don't, they're not written in a job description, but every woman needs to look at that as part of her job. And that means taking time to go to lunch with, with different people, your peers, or even people that are above you, sharing your vision for your career, doing the meetings before the meetings, so that you kind of can, can connect with people and share ideas before you walk into that room. And a lot of the research from the Everest Project showed that the women at the top had done that. And that's um, why they made it to the top of the mountain. Yeah, we need other people with us, you know. And that was one of the things that I, I learned early in my career is that, you know, I'm, I'm a strong woman and I'm going to be independent. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do all this stuff. And But, oh, by the way, I need some help along the way. And I need some help from people that are already in power and that are already leading and not just help them helping me, but me understanding what they did and how they got to where they're at and, and this power of collaboration, you know, with people that you know and you work with is so important. I mean, the learning that I did from other people and continue to do, that's why I do this podcast. I learn more from the women that I'm interviewing than, uh, you know, years and years of school that I took, you know, master's degrees and everything else. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So we need the other people. And so sometimes we're so strong and that's one of our great characteristics, but we also have to really let people around us in and, and let them help us and help them and, and be collaborative in the spirit of growth in business. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, and we have to, you know, it's not just about getting the job down perfectly. And that's what often women do. We are perfectionists and that's not a bad thing, but it can be, uh, take us away from being, doing these other things that are important, you know, and, um, so we have to look at how we spend our time and those relationships and just as you described, giving and getting support are part of that. And often that, you know, that requires just time and being open and being that perfectionist, checking, checking, overdoing, not delegating when we should could be delegating because we think we're the only ones that could get it right. 
that really stops uh, us from succeeding. It also stops from helping other people grow and holds us back in moving because as a leader, we need to be able to lead and delegate and trust other people. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you've got a lot of experience doing that. The way that we met initially was through the Women's Leadership Exchange, which was um, an organization that you started, that you founded. And talk a little bit about that, because I thought that was, you know, the work that was being done there and continues to be done there actually is is pretty fantastic with all the conferences and bringing women together and doing some things that uh, I would look at it and go, boy, I wonder, you know, if that's going to work, how are they going to get all these women to come to these conferences? And my gosh, you did. Uh, so what do you, what were some of the secrets of making some of that happen? You starting a leadership or, you know, an exchange, a networking group, uh, how do you get that going? Well, again, it was all collaboration, really. And it was really identifying a need, um, and it was when it was started, which was in 2001, uh, really there was nothing out there to help women learn what they needed to learn to take their businesses to multi-level, uh, multi-million dollar level. And so being able to uh, go into different communities, because we did five or six a year throughout the country, um, and then going into a market, what, what was really the secret to the success was going into each market, bringing together an advisory board. And as you know, I'm a huge believer in advisory boards, which is why I do my Vistage work, which is advisory boards of CEOs, helping each other, supporting each other through their insights and experiences. But back then with Women's Leadership Exchange, it was the same thing. It was bringing women leaders together in an advisory board and telling them that we were going to be doing these educational conferences to provide women not only with networking, but with the experts like yourself, Mary Beth, because you were a speaker that went all around the country with us, as you know, uh, and bringing these experts that could sh help women learn the skills and then collaborate together to help each other. When we brought that to the advisory board, let's say in LA, we had an advisory board in Atlanta and Chicago and every, all the major cities, and tell them we were doing this and asking them to help us reach out to the women's organizations in that market so that we could make this available to their members. And so that's how we did it. And they, of course, wanted their members to learn and gain from this. And so they helped us reach out. And they also gave us their input on what topics they thought were most important for the women entrepreneurs in those markets. So it all came from a collaboration, collaboration and giving for each other, bringing the women together to meet each other in the advisory board and then having them give us guidance and then give them the opportunity to look good with their community and, and have a high profile. It's all about everybody winning. And I think whenever we can make create something that everyone wins, then you have magic. Yeah. And that was the basis of Women's Leadership Exchange. 
Yeah, really, you know, genius, really. I mean, you, you're getting others to, you're, you're giving something to them, and then you're asking them for some support with this collaboration. And in fact, I know just recently I interviewed uh, Janet Salazar for this uh, this podcast, and she's with uh, Impact Leadership 21. And I know that you won the Spirit of Collaboration Award. Um, and it's no doubt, right? Because what if we talked about this entire call? It's been about collaboration. And it seems like a concept that we all understand intuitively. I get it's collaboration. But but do we do it? And do we do it as, as well as we could? And obviously, you have done it, and you've promoted it, and it's worked in your own um, in your own business, and then you help others do the same thing. But it's um, you deserve the spirit of collaboration award for sure. <laughs> well, it was a, it was very nice. It was nice that uh, Impact and Janet acknowledged me for that. And I I mean because that's what I'm. Um, vice chair of their advisory board and that's what I'm continually encouraging them to do impact to do because I know that and this is not something I made up all the research shows it um, you know that it is collaboration and and that that makes magic happen uh, that's when the really greatest things happen it's because we're working together not against each other we're working to help and support each other so um, it, it is a simple concept I don't know why it gets so complicated, and I guess it's because just human nature, you know? I think so. <laughs> it's in the way. I think so. So, <laughs> Leslie, thank you so much for, for being a part of this, uh, of this call today. How can people reach you? How can they reach you, social media, website, other, other ways to reach you? Uh, well, of course, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I think I'm... Uh, Leslie underline connect uh, on Twitter um, and LinkedIn I'm under my own name and my email is Leslie Grossman connect at gmail.com so you can reach me in any of those ways and um, I'm always interested in collaborating and and supporting people women and men and I think today it's about men and women collaborating together. That is the best thing for us all to be doing. Yeah, no, no so doubt. I, I'm honored to be on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for taking the time to, to share your insights with, uh, with our listeners. I, I really appreciate it. I know they do as well. So thank you, Leslie. Oh, thank you, Mary Beth. And from the Bye. Female Red Zone, yeah, and from the Female Red Zone, this is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>